everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. And you are loved. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jonathan. So glad that you're here, especially those who are visiting. Uh, Peter Alfred's parents from Sudbury are here. Met Jennifer. Yeah, yeah, woohoo is correct. That is the correct response. I met a Jennifer first time today. All of you who are visiting, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you, um, Jacob. Thank you, uh, Helen, for leading us through that. Um, maybe you felt a little uncomfortable. Uh, I'm, I, w- <laughs> I kind of want every service to have something that's just a little uncomfortable. And uh, if, you're, if you're not uncomfortable yet, just, ma- just wait. We'll see. <laughs> Today we're in part three of a four-week series called You in Five Years, and we're just asking this simple question, uh, who will you be in five years from now? Um, do you like the present trajectory that you're on? Um, uh, where is your current momentum taking you? Do you like the destination? Because if you don't, now's the time to get off that train. So who will you be in 2025? And uh, I honestly believe that as we look at what some would say are very small changes, uh, maybe even as small as a domino, um, that if you apply this, you'll look back five years from now, and you'll see this tremendous difference, maybe even because of what God says to you today. Uh, Because I believe it's absolutely true that when you make some small changes and apply them consistently, over time, you'll see a big difference. You know, remember, we, we overestimate what we can do in the short term, and we grossly underestimate what we can accomplish in the long term. You ever look at people who have things that you don't have, who've accomplished uh, disciplines that you don't have, um, and you wonder what big things they're doing that you're not? Well, it's probably small things that no one sees that are going to result in the big things that everybody wants. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about the power of your words. Small things, big difference. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. You know, when God created the world, he, he did it, he spoke it. He spoke the word. Let there be light, and there was light. He models to us how our words are incredibly powerful. In fact, Solomon said this about our words in, in Proverbs 18, verse 21. He said, the tongue has massive power. What kind of power does the tongue have? Everybody say this with me. The tongue has the power of life and death. Say it again like you mean it. 
The tongue has the power of life and death. In other words, the words that we speak can be life-giving words, or the words we speak can be life-taking words. And if you're going to take notes, this would be something you want to write down. If you want to change the life you have, you need to change the words you speak. I'm going to say that again, not only because it's a good biblical principle, but it's also a really good place for you to say amen, and and you may have missed your cue, but this is a really good place for it. If you want to change the life you have, you need to change the words you speak. Oh, thank you. And because small things like the words that we speak can make a big difference in the life that we live. Did you... No, it takes uh, cooperation of 72 different little muscles to produce speech. On average, um, 16,000 words come out of your mouth every day. If you're a fast talker, uh, Glenn Hunt, I'm looking at you, um, it might be more than 16,000 words. So (laughs) this, this adds up to a whopping... 860 million words in the average lifetime. So what do all those nouns, those verbs, those adjectives, those sentences say about your life? James said, uh, and, and he said this long before I came up with this, if you're not a church person today, you may not know who James is. James is actually the brother of Jesus. That's always the right answer. I learned that in Sunday school. Jesus? Yes. And I believe um, James might actually be one of the best evidences for the divinity of Christ. Why? Well, imagine this. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was perfect, that he was the son of God? Think about that. Glenn, what would Jeff have to do to convince you that he was the Messiah? A lot more than he's currently doing, I'll bet. Uh, Caleb, what would Blake have to do to convince you that he's God? Like, if James thought Jesus was the Son of God, that's pretty good evidence if you ask me. So this is what James, the brother of Jesus, said in his own book, chapter 3, verse uh, 3 to through 5. He said this, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Sounds to me like small things make a big difference. You can speak life-giving words, or you can speak life-taking words. For example, show me a marriage that's struggling. I can almost guarantee you there's a predominance of life-taking words. On the other hand, you show me a marriage that is thriving, I'll bet you there's an abundance of life-giving words. Take somebody that you don't like to be around, that makes you feel small or unimportant, or, or you have a boss that drives you crazy, and you'll find that there's probably an abundance of life-taking words. But on the other hand, you know those people that you just love to be around, they build you up. And you're going to find that they give you life-giving words. In fact, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he 
contrasted the difference between life-giving and life-taking words. Here's what he says in Proverbs 12. He says, the words of the reckless, what do they do? They pierce like swords. Every single one of us in this room have been pierced by life-taking words, haven't we? But the tongue of the wise does what? It brings healing. It gives life. Someone uh, can just give you the right words at the right time, and you're like, oh, that is, that's all the fuel I need to go on. Thank you. It's life-giving. And then he says in Proverbs 15, verse 4, the soothing tongue is a what? It's a tree of life. It's life-giving. But on the other hand, a perverse tongue, what does it do? Crushes the spirit. I wonder how many of you have had your spirit crushed by life-taking words. I bet you almost everybody has at some point. It can be, it can be as meaningless as when someone gives you the old, uh, the old backhanded compliment, you know? Like, I love that you just don't care about, you know, normal, conventional beauty standards or, like, up-to-date fashion. I love that about you. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that about myself. Uh, or like, why are you married at this age in your life? You're like, why are you so stupid at this age in your life? Like, they hurt you. And it could be something much more intentional. It could be, I can't stand you. I, f- I found someone else. Um, I never loved you anyways. You're pathetic. God hates queers. Um, I wish you'd never been born. Life-taking words that pierce like a sword, that crush the spirit. Now, if I had you raise your hand, I won't, but if I did, and asked, asked how many in this room um, could not go a full 24 hours without saying an unkind, a cynical, a sarcastic word to someone or about someone, um, some of us might have to really think about that. Some of us might be honest enough to say, no, I don't think I could go 24 full hours. Well, then I suppose we'd have to reckon with that truth, wouldn't we? Like, if you can't go 24 hours without a drink, you're addicted to alcohol, you're an alcoholic. If you can't go uh, 24 hours without smoking, you're addicted to nicotine. So if you can't go 24 hours without saying unkind, sarcastic words about others, then you most certainly have lost control of your tongue. You know, on the other hand, I hope, I hope that you have been blessed by life-giving words. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Um, You're the best of the best. I'd marry you all over again. You're my dream come true. I'm so thankful that God put you in my life. Doesn't that just build build you up like nothing else? There's there's something about life-giving words. It's, It's healing to the soul. You know, married couples, when you send encouraging texts to each other, oh, just just thinking of you, babe. Um, Thanks for working so hard for our family. Um, I'm so glad I married you. That's called hot text. 
And uh, can you say that in church? I just did. We can edit it out of the podcast if we get letters. Please send all your letters to chris at newmarketalliance.ca. Listen, I want to, <laughs> I want to challenge us to, to do something this week, a bit of a, of a word audit. Audit our words and, and um, think of the words that we speak to others and to ourselves. Are you speaking more life-giving words or life-taking words to other people? And then I want you to think about the words you speak to yourself, okay? Now, last week on the live stream, we did a, a thought audit. And this week, we want to do a word audit. So let's start with other people. Rate yourself on this, scale of 1 to 10. It's, it's a test that no one is grading you on, only yourself. If you, if you want to use a, a doodle card or the back of an envelope, um, do that. Do you speak more life-taking words? You know, like, you did a lousy job. Why are you embarrassing me? Are you even trying anymore? I can't stand that. You always leave the toilet lit up. By the way, saying always and never when it comes to arguing, you know, that's a great way to escalate things. Um, You're pathetic. You make me crazy. You're driving me nuts. Um, You know, I wish I'd never, whatever, fill in the blank. If if that's you, and just be honest with yourself, maybe you need to put a, a one, two, three, four, something in the lower half. On the other hand, as you think about this last week, the words that you spoke, Maybe it's more on the life-giving. I'm so proud of you. Um, you're the best husband. I thank God for you. Uh, that was an incredible meal. You're, you're doing such a great God. God, doing such a great job. You're uh, a gift to me. Um, I want you to take a moment and just be real honest and sort of rate yourself uh, on, on your life-giving or life-taking words. So just go ahead and, and do that either in your mind or on a piece of paper. Now, what about the words we say to ourselves, either out loud or under our breath? Are they more life-giving or life-taking words? Your inner talk, what, what do you preach to yourself? Because we all preach something to ourselves. It's this inner monologue, the tape, you know, that plays in our brain. Do you say more life-taking phrases like, man, you're going to blow this. You always seem to find a way to mess this up. Um, things are always going to be this bad. This is, this is going to be the worst day. Uh, my marriage is never going to change. Things never work out for me. I never seem to get the breaks. If that's you, be honest. Maybe you need to put a lower number. On the other hand, maybe you are more apt to say, you know what, God is good God is with me. God is going to bless me. Um, I'm so thankful for this day. We're going to nail this. Um, This is going to be great. With Christ, I can do all things who gives me strength. So if you're closer to that way, you know, give yourself a higher number. Give you a second to do that. Now, just, just out of curiosity, this is the only time I will ask you to raise your hand, and it's, it's a bit of a vulnerable question. How many of you speak more life-giving words to others than you do to yourself? 
what I thought. Okay, if you didn't put a 10 on both of these audits, guess what? There's room for improvement. And so let me just give you two very powerful applications about life-giving words. The first one, and I'm going to sound like your mama, and I, I know apologies, though, because your mama was right when she said, if you can't say anything helpful, don't say it at all, okay? It's, it's not, if it's not helpful or encouraging or loving or truthful or honoring or noble, skip it. Skip it. You probably don't need to say it. Here's what the Apostle Paul said uh, in Ephesians 4.29. He said, actually, would you say this aloud with me? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Man, if that doesn't convict some of you, you ain't paying attention. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. King James Version says, you know, if you can't say something helpful, shutteth thy trap. Doesn't, no, it doesn't really say that, but it should. And no elbowing your spouse either during this portion, okay? No saying, oh, my brother really needs to hear this. No, you need to hear this. And uh, I, I don't want to see any elbowing going on. Because for some of you, if you just applied this one verse to your marriage, to your parenting, to your work relationships, to your friendships, then your whole time at church today would have been worthwhile. Second application. Number one, if you can't say something helpful, skip it. Number two is the inverse. If you think of something good, say it. Say it. Could you imagine how different things would be five years from now if every time we think something good about someone else, about God, about ourselves, about our circumstances. We gave life to it by just speaking it. In fact, here's what Proverbs 16, 24 says. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. You know, notice, notice Solomon did not say, gracious thoughts are like a honeycomb. See, I can have a good thought about you. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just, just thinking good things about you. Well, that's not really helpful, is it? Uh, we, need to, we need to set it free. Set it free. Then the words have the power to give life and to bless. Somebody say, set it free, Jonathan. We need to be a little more Pentecostal here. Uh, somebody say, set it free. I'm so thankful for, yeah, my parents. My parents were encouraging. I think they understood the power of, of blessing, the power of words. And to this day, look, I'm, I'm 46 years old. I'm, I'm a grown blank man. And, and hearing from mom and dad who say, Oh, Jonathan, you're such a good preacher, and we're so proud of the father that you have become and the, and the person that you're becoming. Man, I mean, you know, should I be embarrassed to say? I, that still just, just fills my tank. And we have some new babies coming. Yeah. And those, 
those five years of, of speaking blessing, of speaking truth, of speaking encouragement is so crucial to the development of that child. So when you think something good, say it. Say it. I don't know if you've had this experience at, at camp or this happened in college for me, which is a weird time to have it happen. But, you know, you ever have that thing where you're in a group of people and everybody sort of, you know, passes the paper and writes an affirmation about somebody? Um, and you, and when, the, when the paper goes around, you have 30 affirmations about yourself. I still have my sheet from college, you know, 1992. Um, it's fuel. It's fuel. I have this whole filing cabinet of notes of encouragement because it's like I'm embarrassed enough to say every now and then I need to go fill the tank, right? And they're precious to me. But I'll tell you this too. I, I'm not going to freak out if I lose them in a fire because I know if I don't have the words on the page, the words are now written on my heart, okay? Words are so powerful. When you think something good, send a text, post the comment, pick up the phone, say them, say them, write the note, um, tell them every single time, make it kind of your rule. And, and some of you are all thinking something in this room uh, right now about somebody in this room, and you're thinking of, of how, how they've encouraged you or how you can brighten their day. Stop thinking about it. Grab a... Grab a paper right now, write it down, and give them a note that'll bless them. Don't let today pass without you articulating it somehow. I wonder how it would change our relationships where every time we think something good, we say it. You know, where you never hold a blessing back, you never rob anyone of a blessing. Man, you would be choked. You'd be choked if you knew someone was just sitting on an encouragement, a blessing, and opted not to tell you. So every time you think it, say it. And not just to other people. Sometimes you need to say it to yourself, right? We kind of touched on this last week in the live stream. But if, if you look at your word audit, many of you are saying, perhaps under your breath, perhaps even out loud, very negative things about yourself. David from the Bible one time, when, when he was worried that he was going to be killed, he spoke life-giving words to himself. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I love this. He preached encouragement to himself. No PowerPoint, no pews, no band, just David preaching to himself. Every now and then, you got to preach to yourself. I don't know about you, but every now and then, I got to tell myself, God, I believe that you're working in all things to bring about good because I'm called according to your purpose. Every now and then, you just have to speak to yourself, encourage yourself with words of life and affirmation. And, and you got to encourage yourself, not just saying you can do it, but that God can do it through you. I can do all things through who? Christ, who strengthens me. 
you know, um, the secret, this name it and claim it heresy, have kind of ruined something for us. Because in the middle of this deeply troubling cultish claim, there's a truth there, a truth that was originally God's idea, that words have power and they can change the atmosphere, um, that there's a power in speaking truth to the seen and the unseen world, uh, if it's consistent with God's truth. God, I believe you want to bless my marriage. And, and you say it, you say it in faith. You say it because you want to see it. Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain, he didn't say, if you talk to the mountain. He said, if you speak to the mountain and have faith to see it removed, it will be removed. And Ezekiel, the prophet, he, uh, God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the dead bones, speak to the dry bones. He didn't say, talk about them. He says, speak to them. Say, God, I believe that your promises are true, and so I claim that when you raise a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. So I'm trusting you with my son. I'm trusting you with my daughter that they'll return um, to, to faith. Um, your thoughts matter because they become your words. Your words matter because they become your actions. And your actions matter because they become your habits. And your habits matter because if you do them repeatedly, they become who you are. Spoiler alert for next week, okay? And if you can change some small things, like the words you speak, it can make a big difference in the life that you live. You know, it's the small things that no one sees that make the big differences that everyone wants. And words have the power of life or death. So we don't speak life-taking words to each other. We speak life-giving words to others. We don't speak life-taking words to ourselves. We speak life-giving words to ourselves. In the Lord, we encourage ourselves. We we, if we think of something that's destructive or hurtful or cynical, we're going to skip it. We're going to trash that one. But every time we think something good, we're going to give life to it. We're going to say it, and we're going to bless others in, in what we say. We're not going to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Why? Because our words matter, and if you want to change your world, you start by changing your words. And because I believe words have power, I just want to end today by speaking some true words over you right now, good people of Knack. I'm not, I'm not going to use my words, my affirmations. I'm just going to use God's words, okay? So people of Knack, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, you are dearly loved. People of Nak, you have been chosen by the God of the universe. You are called a son and a daughter of the king. Listen, you are forgiven. People of Nak, you are a new creation. I want you to know that you are free from condemnation. 
You are called righteous and holy. You are a citizen of heaven. You are God's temple where the spirit of God actually lives and dwells. You are called a saint. You are a saint. You are known and seen and heard. Mike, I speak. Where's Mike? Is Mike here? Mike Dara? Mike Dara? Did he just leave? That's okay, because he doesn't need to be here to hear this. Paul, I speak healing on Mike. I speak healing in Jesus' name on Paul, and I believe it. I speak wholeness and shalom and restoration. Um, people of Nak, you are an enemy of the devil and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. A good plan awaits you all. Amen? Amen. That is truth. I want you to receive that today. There's power in those words. Father, today, um, we pray that this one small truth might make a huge impact on our marriages, on our relationships, on our friendships, that, that you would help move our life forward to become who you want us to be today and maybe even in five years. And God, I pray that it wouldn't just be some exercise we did on a random Sunday in January, but that this would be something that is born out of your heart, that's planted in our hearts, this truth, this, this truth would direct and empower us. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong appetites and the temptations in me. The, the temptation I struggle with to, to talk cynically and sarcastically, to have unwholesome talk about others and myself and in a way about you, Lord. Um, Maybe even right now, God is speaking to you in that still small voice. Maybe he's giving you a word that is just for you. God, would you give these good people a, a life-giving statement, a blessing, an encouragement just for them? One small thing that might even change how they live. That would just be so beautiful, so gracious of you, Lord. God, I pray that every time we speak words, we'd not just realize if it's not helpful, helpful, and we wouldn't say it, but we'd actually say the words that give life. We'd set those words free. Father, I, I pray for those who don't know you, that you do a divine work in their hearts even now. Just as you keep praying today, I want to I wanna tell you about the power of your spoken confessions. In fact, if you look at the words of Jesus, he said, by your words you will be acquitted or condemned. He said, your words reflect your heart. Out of, out of the heart overflows the words that come. And if you, if you look at your words and they are not pleasing to God, you may even come to the conclusion, I don't think I'm walking with Jesus. Or you may feel, well, 
I'm not good enough, so I need to try harder before I come to him. Let me tell you, that's not what the Bible teaches, okay? Instead, what you need to do is recognize, I may not be good enough, but Jesus was good enough. And Jesus is the son of God who was born without sin, who did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He he became sin for us, died on a cross, rose again. And the Bible says that whoever confesses with their mouth, notice the power of the words there, whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Saved from an empty life on this earth, but more importantly, saved from an eternity separated from God. So if that's you today, listen, there's no hoops to jump through. And you don't have to speak sort of this exact uh, liturgy of words. But there's power in speaking words. Um, you You might just even use the words on the screen that come up in a moment. Lord, I come. I confess. Without you, I'd fall apart. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And he'll hear that. And he'll know your heart. And just like that, you'll have a new life. You'll be called a new creation. Will you stand with me as we sing together? Maybe this is a response for some.